It is Monday, October 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 7 Recap Edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schau. Back with me again is Adam Krautwurst. Adam, how did fantasy and other stuff go for you this weekend? Um, Well, other stuff. Yeah, I had a major plumbing issue. <laughs> of course, it's never... It happens at our age. That's right. It's never it never ended at a good time. <laughs> plumbing issue, that's right. Um, yeah, Reddit like lineups, 1130, there's a kitchen back up and it's like, oh God, how am I going to set lineup? I'm like covered in sewage trying to set lineups. So, um, but I made it back just in time to see Mike Evans drop a 70 yard touchdown pass, which is (laughs) just a great, you get settled in like, okay, it's going to be a great week. Let's sit down, settle in hall of famer, Mike Evans clang. All right, let me go back to the plumbing work. That was one for the old follies videos too. It wasn't just a drop. He like pushed it back up into the air. Like he right. thought some, like some teammate was going to spike it. Um, yeah, that was a bad one, but it was, it was, if, if only that were the worst thing to happen to the bucks. All right. To that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I finally had my best pickums week on underdog in of the season so far. And I think nice. I, I, I just finally figured out how to play it. Part of it is just making sure that I have enough time. I mean, like you're talking about stuff keeps popping up. I, I'm all set with, having kids soccer games Sunday at noon or one in the fall. Uh, anyway. I, I'm, I'm, I would not mind if those stopped being a thing, but I've found that the way that I like to set it up is, you know, of course, going through all of the picks that I lay out in that Pickums article every Wednesday, the stuff that's based on our draft sharks projections, find my favorite guys and then like mix up my exposures to all of them. But if I have three guys together in one, make sure I also set combos of the two, because that was my biggest downfall was setting these different combos. And I keep getting two right and one wrong or one right. And one wrong in, in pairs of picks. And, you know, it was just killing me. So this week, fortunately got them all. Obviously the upside is if everybody's right, then you win all of them. And if you miss that one guy, then you can still get some of the money back without losing everything on it. Yeah. And I think it's a, a a major thing too. Like I stopped the last two weeks. I've just been so busy with when you put that article out on Wednesdays before I was hopping right in and doing them. Now I'm waiting till like Saturday or whatever. And by that time, a lot of those lines have been brought back to normal. Like I know a lot of the quarterback passing lines that you had put out on Wednesday, like they, they adjusted by like 10 or 15 yards by the time I went to put my bets in on, on, on Saturday. So um, I know I'm definitely going to start jumping on that uh, st- day before the lines adjust and then do some maybe later on yeah same here and then you know there's still lines that you can take advantage of over the weekend as well but you it's one of those things you got to be smart about don't just sit down and be like all right i gotta bet some money somewhere oh yeah this looks good this looks good this looks good why that sounds great i really get myself in trouble (laughs) right (laughs) all right so we'll move away from our specific results and get to some nfl results we'll start with ravens browns ravens 23 browns 20 was a crappy fantasy day again for lamar jackson this time though they dropped him back 21 times. He attempted 16 passes. He rushed 10 times. I mean, you'd have to have a pretty magical offensive day to have a nice fantasy stat outing on those kind of numbers at quarterback. Yeah, I feel like he hasn't had a good game in a month. You know, I just feel like, I, you know, the passing yards had, had, hadn't been there. The touchdowns hadn't been there. You know, Gus Edwards scores two. Well, welcome back, Gus. The Gus bus. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been, it's been tough for him. He gets, he gets Duvernay back. Duvernay looked fine. He looked, he looked, I'm not doing it. Bateman he gets Bateman back. Bateman looked, looked, looked fine. He, you know, gets tackled at the half yard line, of course. And I think he got in there. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I, I think he got in. Um, but yeah, it's, they're, they're not throwing the ball a lot. You know, Mark, Mark Andrews, what, two targets, zero, zero catches or something like that. So 
it's just been, yeah, it's been tough sledding for this, for, for this passing game. They were in a game script, where they didn't really need to, because they were playing the Browns, but um, Lamar isn't that lock, you know, uh, superstar quarterback that, that we thought he was going to be. I don't think that we're going to get a whole lot more games like yesterday. I mean, this was like the old Ravens where they were running a lot more than they were passing. I think that that's probably going to end up being a one-off, but we should expect them to probably run it a little bit more than they were at the start of this season, more than they were last year. I mean, they went last year with some pretty, pretty crappy running backs. The return of Gus Edwards, like he's not a special guy, but he's obviously um, higher in their plans and their thoughts at running back than like Kenyon Drake, than Justice Hill, than other guys that they've patched it with along the way. So I, I believe in Gus Edwards taking on a large role, even if I don't quite believe there's going to be quite that much rushing volume every week going forward. Yeah, it's just hard with three guys. It's really Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Kenyon Drake, when all of them are out there, you know, I mean, 16 carries for Edwards, 11 for Drake, five for I mean, I would, if I had to pick one to start, it would be Edwards because they, they, they love Edwards, right? I mean, he, you know, there was no easing Gus Edwards back in, right? J.K. Dobbins needed a month to ease back in, and then he still gets re-injured. Gus Edwards was like, screw it. We're going to put him out there. He's going to get two rushing scores. Um, great. You know, so, yeah, I think they definitely want to go old school here, which is terrible, uh, and run and run the rock. It, it, the passing game doesn't look right either. Like, a lot of times, you know, Lamar, it looks like Kyler Murray. Lamar's back there standing there for 10 seconds, looking, trying to direct traffic. So, you know, their passing game is best when it's play action. He's, you know, and being assertive with where he wants to go with with the ball. So, you know, maybe also to slowly getting Bateman going. I mean, he only ran for 15 routes. You know, he had five five targets on 15 routes. So maybe they'll, it's just a, I mean, it's just a weird, a weird game for them. I mean, uh, Mark Andrews isn't going to go the rest of the season, but having two targets in a game again. Yeah, team high five targets, four catches for Rashad Bateman and his return from the foot injury, as you mentioned. He was six snaps, one route behind Devin Duvernay. I'm going to be watching to see if Bateman does get to the point where he's running a route on all of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks, because that's been my biggest knock on him so far is, you know, he was doing well. He was putting up the yardage um, on low target volume before the foot injury, but we still need him to get to that point where he's just always on the field when they're throwing the ball, which I don't understand why that wouldn't be the case. So I'll, I'll be watching to see if this is, is easing Bateman back from the foot injury, or if they just don't want to have any single receiver on the field quite as much as they have Mark Andrews on the field, going back to that backfield, Gus Edwards, obviously we love the fantasy production. We love that he got the two touchdowns. I think he is the best bet in that backfield to get those touchdown opportunities going forward. But Let's also not lose sight that he only played three more snaps than Justice Hill. He only played six more snaps than Kenyon Drake. So the numbers make it look like Gus Edwards came back, took over the backfield. Reality is a little bit short of that, where we should expect him to be the top guy going forward, but it's not a it's not a workhorse type of deal. No, 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 not at all. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna love Start Gus Edwards, unless one of those other two guys is is inactive, which I don't know why why they would be. But if you only get two running backs that are getting the ball, then then you might like it more. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's tough with three guys. You always used to watch Full House. Some episodes focused on Danny, some focused on Joey, <laughs> some focused on Jesse. J.K. Dobbins, by the way, who I think is probably Jesse in this analogy, out four to six weeks after having his knee scoped. So. That at least opens up more carries for Gus Edwards. Like I said, best bet in this backfield. Somebody you want on your roster going forward. The Ravens get the Bucks and Saints the next two games. Thursday night, they're at Tampa Bay this coming week. I wonder if the quick turnaround makes it more difficult for Gus Edwards, but I would imagine that since they held him out so long into the season, he's probably in pretty good shape, um, you know, just in terms of football, guys. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, on the Brown side, really not much to take away. I don't think David and Joku uh, hurt, hurt an ankle, but it doesn't uh, seem like it's serious. He says that he thinks he'll be back for next week and they get to play Monday night against Cincinnati. So longer than usual to move past it. Yeah, no, he had, he looked great. He had uh, seven catches in the first like two and a half quarters of the game. And they went out with that, with that injury. They said, you know, he's going to be fine. One of those deals where they're just a kind of, kind of a precautionary walking boot deal. Um, but no, he looked, he looks great. He's a, he's a must start tight end, you know, mid tier tight end one kind of rest of the way. Whenever he's healthy, they're getting, they're getting in the ball. Um, you know, and Brissett was, you know, doing kind of his thing. You know, he had he threw a couple dimes deep, found uh, found Amari Cooper deep. Uh, you know, so I think they it's a it's, it's it's a funneled passing attack, right? It's Cooper, it's it's it's, it's Njoku, and we'll shoot we'll see how Deshaun wants to Sean Watson wants to do it when he gets back. But um, but yeah, the 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 passing game was kind of just just those two guys were really. Well, we did have Donovan Peoples-Jones involved yesterday as well. I would certainly say it's Njoku and Amari Cooper going forward and that Deshaun Watson's going to help all of them when he returns. Kareem Hunt, the playing time was there. The production was not. He did have a touchdown to save you. Again, not a whole lot that I'm taking away from that. You got anything else from that game? No, other than Kareem Hunt just not getting there, right? He's just not getting not, not getting the touches. He did. He does kind of save his day with a uh, with with a touchdown there, but he he is still in in the, in the two minute offense. He's still getting the passing down work. He just hasn't been super efficient with it. Mm-hmm. Panthers twenty one, Buccaneers three. I, honestly, Adam, I don't think that we're gonna believe anything from this game when we look back on it later in the season, I don't think we're going to look back and be like, Oh, that was the turning point for the Panthers who have been helping us out the rest of the way. Or that was the day that Tom Brady's bucks died. I think that from the bucks standpoint, because that does impact our fantasy teams more. What the takeaway here is we can't count on a full rebound for Tom Brady to what he and his receivers were doing last year. That said, He's still QB 13 on the year. He's QB 20 in points per game. He's got just one game with more than one touchdown pass. That specific stat is certainly going to change going forward, which will help the numbers overall. And he's thrown 40 plus pass attempts in five straight games. So even if he and his passing game remain inefficient, just on sheer volume, they're going to put up some numbers and be okay. And not only that, but like people, we we joked about the Mike Evans thing earlier. When you dial up a play, that's a 70 yard touchdown on like the third play of the game or whatever it was. And that you, you drop it like that changes the whole game. They score on that. And that play they're winning. The Panthers can't run the ball. They're feeling good. The bucks are feeling confident. Like when you're pressing, pressing and you're not getting points and it's three and out, it's three and out. It changes everything that, that, that touchdown. If he, if he gets that, we don't, we're not saying anything about, about Tom Brady or this or that or whatever. I mean, he threw 40, 45, there were 45 targets in this game for, for the Bucs. That's great. Like, if we can continue with that, we're fine. Brady physically looks fine. He's still got the zip on the ball that he had last year. So I think they're going to they're, they're figure it out. We're not selling these, these pieces. We're going to start them. We're starting uh, Godwin. We're starting Evans. We're starting Tom Brady in the right spots, depending on what your quarterback situation is like. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic on them yet. I mean, Brady has... He's done this before. First half of the year, he's been lousy or the offense hasn't, hasn't been doing well. And then all of a sudden they explode the last half of the year. So um, I am not worried about it. It's annoying. Well, you know, Evan still had what nine for a hundred or something, something like that. Um, he would have had a monster day if he gets that touchdown. So I'm not super worried about him. It's just annoying if they cost you, uh, you know, a fantasy win this week. That might be a good time to try to buy low on any of those key pieces. Uh, Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, certainly the receivers more so than the quarterback. 
Um, but you know, if you're in trouble at, at QB, you can probably get Brady for a fairly low price right now. They, yeah. as it, as I said, with Baltimore, they're playing Thursday night against the Ravens. So it's a shorter window for even for fantasy players to like get their mind around the numbers being okay for the bucks and kind of get past their frustration with the way this past week went. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the schedule I'm, I'm looking up their quarterback. I want to see what, uh, the Bucks remaining schedule is here for the playoffs. Because a lot of times, too, now people you want to be looking forward to like fantasy playoffs now and all that type of stuff. Yeah, he gets he gets Baltimore next week, which is a positive passing matchup. Seattle in three weeks. Then then they have a bye, and then they get Cleveland. New Orleans coming out of the bye. Those are really positive passing matchups. So we're definitely not selling. You know, he gets Arizona and Carolina in the fantasy playoffs. I got Carolina again in like a revenge game from this week. So. Uh, I'm definitely not selling Brady. I'm buying the buying those pieces, and uh, yeah, look 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 for the Bucks to explode here soon. And before those final two games that you just mentioned, uh, Week 15, they're at home for a potential shootout with Cincinnati. So three yeah. straight games that should not be negatively impacted by weather, unless it's you know raining in Florida on those games. But yeah, that's a good spot to look for um, expectations with Brady and the wide receivers, the Panthers side in this one. Let's get to that because that's the real story (laughs) from this specific game. And I tweeted out um, well before the game. Yeah. You should drop either Panthers running back to pick up Isaiah Pacheco. It didn't quite work out the way I'd hoped for this particular day. So Chuba Hubbard started this game ran for 63 yards, ran for a touchdown on nine carries, two catches on three targets. He was working ahead of Deontay Foreman over the first half. Over the first three quarters, he played 22 snaps to Foreman's 14. He got eight carries to Foreman's four. So then he got hurt, left the game. Sound They say that he could have re-entered if he needed to, so it doesn't sound like it's serious. Foreman then, of course, came in, cleaned up 118 yards on 15 carries as Carolina played that final quarter from well ahead. So Adam, what are you doing with these two guys? I mean, I guess let me just leave it at that. What are you doing with these two guys in fantasy going forward? Yeah. I don't know how hurt Chuba is. Chuba was up uh, 22 to 14 in touches before, um, before the, the injury. So kind of form and kind of, you know, feasted there at the end. And uh, the Panthers got a chance. They ran the ball 52% of the time against against the Bucks, which is you'd think would never happen in game script and Bucks good rushing defense. I think kind of going forward, I, I'm if Chuba's healthy, I think I'm just going to lean lean Chuba. I'm not excited to start him. I'm not whatever, but you know that this is this was their first opportunity as the Panthers to show like what they were going to do. They said they're going to ride the hot hand. They started with Chuba. He got hot. He stayed hot. They stayed there. So I think if if they're if they're both active and they're both healthy, I think Chuba would be the guy that I would that I would lean on. But again, there's not going to be many game scripts because this team, this offense, really does stink. Like there's not going to be many game scripts where they are going to be crushing teams and being able to run as much as they did. So, um, but if I have to pick between the two, I think it's, I think it's Chuba. Yeah. Like, like I said, it's a nice game for them. It's nice to see it come alive, mostly because it, it helped DJ Moore. Yes. For us finally. But I think we're going to end up looking back on this game and being like, how did the Panthers beat the Bucks 21 to three that week? I agree on Hubbard versus Foreman. If you have to pick between them, I would lean toward Hubbard. We've got one game behind us, though, now, and Hubbard did come away with an injury. So even if it's minor, you know, it has the potential to impact him in the next game for him to tweak it in that game. So really, I would head into week eight, basically having them even. I think they're both looking usable because next week brings a matchup with Atlanta. So it's probably not going to be a high scoring game, probably not going to be a matchup that takes anything away from Carolina's offense. So uh, 
last week, I didn't want any part of it. This week, I'll say, if you need a running back, you can use either Hubbard or Foreman. Also, though, I will say that if you have anybody that you think you could trade either of these guys to, do it. Because we very well might be coming off the best fantasy outing of the year for both of them. Yeah, that that Panthers-Falcons game next week is going to be done in 12 minutes. It's just going to be 76 runs with, with a win 6-3. to three. Uh, But yeah. If if Chuba is out, I mean that'd be great for Foreman because then he's getting all he's getting all all the work there. So, but yeah, game script will, will work for them too. Next week, if you can, man, if you could somehow deal one of those guys, that would be s- sensational. And who knows? We, you know, we kind of laugh about it, but it's like with bye weeks and injuries, especially the injuries this week. Oh, we're gonna probably talk about a lot of them, but a lot of superstars are done this week and uh, have some serious injuries. So people are gonna be desperate. I joked on the Thursday pod about DJ Moore getting 40% target share the rest of the way. He got 45.5% target share in the first game with Robbie Anderson gone with Christian McCaffrey gone, caught seven of his 10 targets for 69 yards and a touchdown, no more than three targets for anyone else. And if things can just go like that the rest of the way, then DJ Moore will be fine. Yeah, exactly. And listen, you know, we were drafting him as a, as a wide receiver two, a high end wide receiver two in the third middle of the third round. And a lot of these, in most of these drafts. So he's, he's probably not going to be that he's not going to be that, but if he can just give you a high end wide receiver three production rest of the year where you could start him, you know, that would be, that would be awesome. So I think he can definitely do that. If they're, if they're forcing him the ball, they're going to have the game scripts, you know, Darnold stinks, hope it, but hope might be back eventually, maybe even this week, who, 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 who knows, he has experience with getting DJ Moore the football and keeping him as a wide receiver too. So uh, this was wonderful to see. I would bet that we get at least one more start from PJ Walker. Steve Wilkes kind of indicated that said like, it'll be tough to take Walker out of the starting lineup, which makes sense. I mean, Baker Makefield has stunk this year, so there's no reason to force him back in. Sam Darnold stunk last year, which was the reason they traded for Baker Mayfield in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I, I would, I would bet that they give Walker one more start again. It is against Atlanta. I'm hoping that I wouldn't have to actually use PJ Walker himself. Uh, we'll uh, see what he means for DJ Moore, but the the matchup just like it makes everybody worth considering at the level where they make sense. Yep. And speaking of that matchup, we had the Bengals take advantage of the Falcons 35 17. Uh, basically, the, the whole game happened in the first half, and then they just coasted the rest of the way. A huge game for Joe Burrow brought all three of his wide receivers with him. I know that if you have T Higgins, because I do. You're probably a little bit disappointed. Five catches for 93 yards. But the only reason that that's disappointing is because you look at it next to Tyler Boyd's eight catches for right. five and a touchdown. You're like, that's not fair. This is supposed to be T. Higgins numbers. I mean, that's the kind of thing that's just going to happen. Another one where Higgins was down at the half yard line. I mean, he was in too. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, the, here's what I would do too. Like, these refs, you can't tell in real time. Like, call it a touchdown so it's automatically reviewed. And then if it if it's not a touchdown, call it back. They just hate, they, they hate scoring. I can't stand it, but Burrow went nuts. 345 yards at the half uh, and Higgins had a, had a, had a part of that. We were going to say something, Matt. Yeah. Just put, I would say put the technology in the ball and at the goal line. So we just know for sure whether the ball gets in or not. It's, it's, it's funny to me, the things at this point that we're like, no, nah, we're going to rely on humans to figure out what happened there. <laughs> Listen, I heard we landed a spaceship on the moon like 70 years ago. We can't put a little chip in a ball that can tell us whether it's over a goal line or not. Come on. Easy work could do that um but yeah uh so burrow went went nuts three for five yards by halftime um i don't know if mick joe mixon's good anymore but the offense is scoring so his opportunities are plentiful he scores here last week he didn't score rushing i think he scored receiving this week he scored he scores rushing so this offense is, get, is getting cooking 
Uh, Chase was obviously a monster. Love, I have a special place in my heart for Tyler Boyd after he put the Bills in the playoffs <laughs> like four or five years ago. So I love seeing him go crazy, kind of the lost man there out of the slot. But yeah, the Bengals, this, this is what you wanted out of a team that, you know, just to kind of suffocate the, the, the Falcons. Yeah, and I'll take it if every week going forward looks like Joe Mixon's Sunday did, where he sure. uh, doesn't excite us with the ground efficiency, but he's getting 17-plus opportunities, a solid chance to score a touchdown in any given game. So, yeah, we'll, we'll take that. I would like to believe that there's upside beyond that, but even if there's not, um, that'll work going forward. On the Falcons side, 13 Max. pass attempts in a team in a game that they lost by 18 points. I mean, that just makes it impossible for us to get any fantasy value from anybody who relies on catching passes. It's we, we get out here and I scream about the Falcons every single week. I mean, that's all you have to say. They lost by a hundred points and they threw third and they were losing the whole game. It's not like the end of the game, the score got run up. They were getting destroyed and they threw the ball. I'm not even mad that the ball didn't go to pits. Even though I think pits saw five or six, six, six targets. It's just, they don't, the coach is just incompetent. And then if you want, you want me to, t- to talk about Pitts, Pitts is wide, uh, easy touchdown from the one-yard line. He gets tackled. We need to come up with a league or a stat where we're getting points for our players getting tackled in the end zone with the while, while the ball's on the way. I mean, just ridiculous. So that, that's okay because they come back and they go to him again. Somehow from the half-yard line, he catches a forward pass and doesn't get, get in the end zone. <laughs> Like how is it? Pitts is just, he's allergic to scoring fantasy points. So I don't know. There's nothing you can, you you can do there. Those are like little micro things we're joking about, but if they're only going to throw the ball 13 times when down by 40, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean, if that's possible, then that's a sign that it's just not going to be a favorable passing condition the rest of the way. We thought that Drake London was going to outperform that earlier just because of his really high target share. But I mean, if, if the team is trying to not reach 20 pass attempts in any given game, then, you know, you can have whatever share you want. It's not going to help 29 rushing attempts for Atlanta. Meanwhile, of course, Marcus Mariota getting plenty of that, but Tyler Algier also controlled the backfield in this game against Cincinnati, 16 carries, 50 yards, one rushing touchdown. It's not an efficient day, but he at least led the backfield. Clearly 29 snaps versus 11 for Caleb Huntley, seven for Avery Williams. Again, they have Carolina this coming week, so it should be an okay spot. I think Tyler Algier is similar to the Carolina backs in usability. When is Cordero Patterson back? Cause that's a guy like I can't, like if I can't start pits, or London, like I've got a ton of Patterson. I'll throw him in there. You want to give him 25 touches? Fine. Like, you know, at least, at least I can capitalize somewhere, but yeah, yeah. It's uh, at least Algier was the man. They had one guy there that they, that they really went to one target total for all of the running backs. So they're not, well, they're not throwing the ball anyways, but um, right. One targets like a, like a 15% share. <laughs> That's right. Well done. Avery Williams one, <laughs> with your one target. Patterson has one more game that he has to sit out at least uh, on IR. So that, that would make four games. So maybe we'll see him again in week nine. It would seem like the kind of injury that we should expect him back at that point. I'm not sure exactly who they play at the moment at that point, but I, Cordero Patterson is somebody that I would try to stash that I would think about making a trade for if it's possible, because, you know, not somebody that I'm going to give up a lot to get, but you you might find a frustrated owner who's not getting anything, who's uh, in trouble, needs help. And you can get Patterson back as maybe a piece in a four player deal. Somebody who's, you know, again, going to be out for week eight, but week nine, they play the chargers. After that, we got the Panthers and bears. So those 
should be two other games where you don't expect the opponent to take the running game away. Patterson could be an impact player after or like going forward. Yeah, week nine against the Chargers, they're the, they're the fifth easiest running back uh, schedule, or running back team to have a running back against because uh, they Chargers are good at nothing except for Austin Eckler. So, uh, so yeah, no. Hopefully, we get wheels up for our guy Cordell Patterson. Week nine, look at us. We're talking about week nine Falcons running backs. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, good <laughs> stuff. Anything else in this game? No. Cowboys twenty four, Lions six. Nothing shocking from this one. The Lions are not very good, especially when you take away two of their top offensive talents. DeAndre Swift was mm-hmm. not ready to return for this game. Amon Ross St. Brown left after about a minute and a half of the concussion. So we're left with Jamal Williams, who was fine but didn't score. Seated receiving to Craig Reynolds once again. Khalif Raymond filled in for Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot led the receiving. I think you keep Raymond in mind for deep leagues for week eight. If St. Brown misses further, cause they got Miami on the schedule, but really otherwise it's just like, yeah, I knew the lions stink. So it's not surprising if they stink against a good defense. Yeah. You know, they have six points the last two games that the lions do. And and that's with a, with a, with a bye week there in there too, I think. So uh, yeah, it's no, no, I'm on raw, no swift. So I feel like, you know, their golf isn't good enough to not have his top two weapons. And, you know, so, and most quarterbacks aren't, so they still have that elite, elite offensive line, but you know, the Cowboys are really tough, tough defense. So there's not, there's not much to see here other than they didn't have their top guys, you know, and they, and they, so they weren't able to be successful golf. I think scored under 10 fantasy points. He has no rushing upside, you know, whatever. So I'm on Ross probably going to, going to miss a week. That's kind of the whole thing that's been going on this year after, after the two, uh, Dolphins thing week two or three, a lot of teams have been uh, have been holding their players out that extra week. So I would I would make plans for, to get Amon Ra or to, to not use Amon Ra next week. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Dallas side, Tony Pollard played more snaps than Zeke Elliott in this game. First time that's happened this year. Twelve carries to Zeke's fifteen, led Zeke in targets two to nothing. Got one hundred nine total yards. We also had Ezekiel Elliott go for fifty seven and two touchdowns on the ground. So you know the two takeaways here are. Keep playing running backs as much as you can in this Detroit matchup. And Tony Pollard finally got the usage we were looking for. Let's see if that continues. Yeah, I was, you know, I saw Z, there's a play where Zeke looked like he had his leg ripped off. And I was like, oh, are we finally going to let Tony Pollard cook? But the guy just, he's just made of something else. He's Whatever's inside uh, the Wolverine from, from X-Men, that's what's inside of him. He just never, he can't get hurt. He rips his knee off last year and he still doesn't, he's limping onto the field. I just want to see Tony Pollard get loose um, and get and get uh, half of what Zeke gets plus what he normally gets. He'd be the the RB one, but yeah, start running backs against against the Lions. Um, is 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 Dak Prescott good? I feel like I haven't seen a good Dak Prescott game in five years. You know, he's you know the Cowboys yards per play is one of the worst in the, in the league. He doesn't look. I mean, I know it's his first game back, but it's the Lions. They look like the worst defense like ever. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully they can get it going, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not surprising to see a limited game from him and his first one back from the thumb surgery. Hasn't played since week one, played about half of that game. Um, so we'll see. And they also limited the passing volume in this one, uh, which especially makes sense when it's one-sided 25 pass attempts, 32 team rushes in this one. So, you know, we'll see about Dak Prescott going forward. They get Chicago next week. So another spot that's not scary for anybody on the Dallas offense. Dalton Schultz tweaked his bothersome knee again, but didn't return to this game. Said he's fine. 
I guess we have to trust it. Five catches, 49 yards in this one. Lost a touchdown to Peyton Hendershot, which is the only person I've ever heard with the last name Hendershot. And then Noah Brown edged Michael Gallup in snaps and routes in this game. Led the team with seven targets. You know, I'm not, I think it's too early to say I'm worried about Michael Gallup going forward, but I do think there's potential for Noah Brown to be a problem for Michael Gallup's usability going forward. Like maybe he's just the new, you know, number three among the Cowboys lead trio at wide receiver. Yeah. Lots of unpacker. He, he might be, um, you know, and they love, man, they love those layup. Dak loves the layup targets to, to Dalton Schultz. I mean, he's going to get, Schultz just gets peppered with targets on those five yard outs, five yard outs. He's banged up a little bit now though. He said he's fine, but uh, I think it's hard because between Schultz and CeeDee Lamb and the run game, and now you got Noah Brown kind of emerging a little, a little bit. I think it's going to be tough for Michael Gallup to be a week in and week out starter. I mean, even CeeDee Lamb here had his lowest target share of the season at 24%. So, he was still great. He had a sick catch in, in, in double coverage early in the game. So um, you're still obviously starting Lamb. But I think at, at, after Lamb, I think it's going to be tough to kind of uh, be, be consistent uh, between everybody else. Yeah, let's look at their schedule beyond the game against Chicago that we already mentioned. The bye is coming up after that. So that'll be a well-timed bye for Dak Prescott, especially. After that, they're at the Packers, at the Vikings, home for Giants, Colts, Texans. Uh, so there's not really anything – like worrisome matchup wise on the schedule, I would say until the week 16 rematch with the Eagles. Right. Exactly. For, f- yeah. From a, from a deck perspective. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so yeah, I mean, Jacksonville, Houston, Indy, you're definitely want to start, start your guys again. And it's, it's time. So not, not worrisome, but still not, uh, wasn't the upside we were looking for against the, like, this is a, this is like a thing you circle on the calendar when your team plays the, when you guys play the lions, you know? So to have, I mean, I had a bunch of lamb overs that didn't, didn't hit. It was just a, a disappointing day for the Cowboys. Oh, if you hit that over early, you would have gotten it. So oh, it did hit. <laughs> he was down in the six. Wednesday, Wednesday. <laughs> right. We'll have you check draftsharks.com Wednesday. We'll have a free article comparing our projections to the underdog pick'em lines that are up by that point. Lots more lines get added throughout the week, but the the early yardage lines that are up, I'll compare them. I'll have the top picks for the week. It's tended to go pretty well. Um, and I'll also look back on how we did the previous week. So you can see a running tally. So it's not just, you, you don't have to just trust. You can see um, how it's been performing. Giants 23, Jaguars 17. And, you know, bad game for Jacksonville overall because they lost because, I mean, the Giants are on a, a path to the Super Bowl this year. But happy birthday to Travis Etienne's NFL career, which officially took mm-hmm. off yesterday against the Giants. 14 carries, 114 yards, one touchdown, five targets, only caught one of those. But we love that usage. And he took over the backfield. It wasn't like game flow dictated it. We only had 12 total snaps for James Robinson. We had the second straight start for ETN. So I guess my one remaining question here is, was that game plan specific against a Giants team that is big up front, but crappy behind that on defense? Or are we finally just moving past James Robinson as the lead running back? No, I think we're moving past. I think it started last week too, a little little bit. ETN with ETN's explosive runs. He just looks better. I mean, how can you not? Uh, and everyone knew he was <laughs> was better than James Robinson, so that's why there was so much confusion to start to, to start the year. So yeah, no, I think I think he's the man now. He he scored. He also fumbled at the three yard line because it's against the Giants, and that's how the Giants live this year. They just get everything, everything goes their way. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think he's the man moving moving forward. Um, and so that's exciting for for ETN owners. Probably too late to buy him now. 
<laughs> yes, definitely too late to buy them now. Uh, they get Denver in London next Sunday morning, which obviously is a home game for the London Jaguars. So watch out for that <laughs> one. Right. The Denver defense is another one that's, that's pretty strong up front, has good edge rushers, um, you know, could be another defense, that even if it is somewhat matchup driven. Um, should shape up well for Travis Etienne. I'd be curious to see too, if James Robinson is a trade candidate, because when you take a guy who has been so heavily involved in your running game and suddenly barely play him, you know, kind of makes you wonder if you're protecting him to make sure he doesn't get hurt before you deal him. Yeah, could, could be. I mean, there's so many teams now with the injuries that need running backs, but the Jaguars probably like, Oh, well, this is why, this is why we held on to ours or are holding on to ours. Yeah, this is why we collect them. That's Christian right. Kirk got back to leading the passing game in this one. Seven catches, 96 yards on 10 targets. Zay Jones tied him for the target lead. Marvin Jones, eight targets. Evan Ingram, seven targets. All decent PPR numbers versus what we expected from them. We had a lot of pass attempts in this game, so that obviously helped everybody. And then Trevor Lawrence had a lot of pass attempts, threw for 310 yards, but only 51% completion. So kind of a disappointing day for him overall, which he masked with his third rushing touchdown in two games. Trevor Lawrence is allergic to passing touchdowns. He has 21 passing touchdowns in 24 games, nine this year and seven, seven games. Like they get it, all these weapons for him. You know, maybe that's because he's also, maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's being passed around. Like Evan Ingram's also allergic to scoring touchdowns. So maybe they just, maybe they got to wear a mask when they're in the huddle. So they don't, they don't get it for, for, from each other. But, you know, uh, uh, speaking of Evan Ingram, you know, seven targets again, I think, looked good. I thought, you know, he ended up with like 13 or 14 fantasy points. Well, it's a tight end premium, so somewhere around there, um, he, uh, which is which is fine. But I was hoping for an explosion, you know, a, a revenge game against the Giants I was hoping for. So he, he was fine, again, with the lack of tight end production this year. But I'd like to see Lawrence. He needs to throw more touchdowns. He's saving his day, like you said, yardage, rushing scores, that's stuff like that. But. Uh, I just feel like it's got it's got to come together one of these days for for him. This is going to be the first team that instead of wearing the eye shield on their helmets, they get like the salad bar shield, the sneeze guard down there, so that they <laughs> don't just spread end zone COVID to everyone, where they lose the taste for scoring. Yeah. Don't bet on the rushing touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence, by the way. I mentioned he scored three of them on the ground over the past two weeks. All three of those came from the two or one yard line. So it's not a matter of Trevor Lawrence running more or the team designing more runs. This is the first game that he had, I think, more than like uh, 12 rushing yards. So he's not running the ball more, just been a little bit lucky. He was that kind of goal line, like touchdown vulture in college, where he's certainly not scared to punch it in from the into the end zone from close, but it's not something that's being specifically designed into the offense. Um, on the other side here, we got Wandale Robinson, second among Giants wide receivers in playing time, led the team in targets. So... That is exactly what we were hoping to get from him this week, Adam. Yeah, he's he's locked in wide receiver three going forward with a lack of talent that's on that offense passing wise. They're getting creative with him. Like you said, seven targets leads leads the team. Perfect kind of perfect timing for teams with the bye weeks and injuries and stuff to be able to, to uh look deep on their bench and see they've been holding on to Wandale hopefully this whole time. He'll be he'll be nice wide receiver three going forward. Um, yeah, kind of like the new Sterling Shepard where you can't expect exciting numbers. Didn't put up a whole lot of yardage on the catches he got yesterday, but getting those catches, he'll be decent for PPR. We'll see if Kadarius Tony has anything to add oh. to this passing game. Once all of his hamstrings are healthy, Darius Slayton second in targets against the Jags and Marcus Johnson, once again, the playing time leader among giants wideouts. So that's just another indication of how weak the whole core has been this season. Daniel Jones, big fantasy day against the Jags. He's QB four heading into Monday night 
for the week, 107 yards and a touchdown on the ground, 202 and a touchdown passing. Just his second game so far of 18-plus fantasy points this year. So Jones, much more of a floor play for us than an attractive fantasy option, Adam. But he has not had the kind of implosion game that scares you off from using him. Well, they're throwing, he, they're they're running him so much. That's what's so great. Like Dable, that's how Dable used Allen in Buffalo, and that's how he's using Daniel Jones. He's, you know, and we said this in the preseason. He's got that sneaky athleticism. You know, I mean, he's really good till he gets in the open field that he falls over his own two feet. He did that again, kind of yesterday. But um, but yeah, he's getting. Um, I was lucky enough that to have to start him uh, this this last week with all the bye weeks to some of the top quarterbacks. So. Um, yeah, I think he's he's fine, even though he doesn't have the weapons. He's fine because of that rushing up, upside. He's second among running back or among quarterbacks. I see he's such a good runner. I'm calling him a running right. back. Second among all quarterbacks in rushing yards, behind only Lamar Jackson, third in rushing attempts. So he's doing better on yards per carry than Jalen Hurts right now, tied for second at the position in rushing touchdowns. So yeah, we love taking advantage of that. Um, you know, the limited passing is going to keep him from being a good fantasy play week to week, but he's at least been the kind of guy that's not going to kill you. And then you can take a chance that he does something like that on the ground. The next matchup is Seattle. We'll talk more about that matchup on Thursday. I think it's getting a little bit tougher than it was earlier in the season, but still a spot where you can consider picking up Daniel Jones this week. If you have a bye week problem, like if you have Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert as your main quarterback and no week eight option already in line. Yeah, absolutely. Again, he stole another another goal line touchdown from Saquon. You know, they had first and goal from like the three or four. Uh, you know, they're they're lined up in the in a Saquon f- formation, and then back to back penalties by the defense moves it down to the half yard line. Daniel Jones goes under center and falls forward. I'm like, are you? That's two touchdowns in two weeks that they've taken from us. So, uh, but yeah, no, he's he's especially if he can get Tony back. You know, and then he'll have Wandale, have Saquon. That should be enough to uh, plus his rushing to, to to keep him startable. Titans nineteen, Colts ten. Terrible game for offense. Derrick Henry got his. He only did it at four point three yards per time. So I mean, if you give Derrick Henry thirty carries, he's probably going to have a decent day. Also caught three more passes. So that has become you know obviously not a big factor, but for PPR, it definitely helps that floor for him in the games where he will inevitably fall short mm-hmm. of a hundred yards. Ryan Tannehill, 13 of 20 passing, so not quite Mariotian, but, you know, <laughs> what they're trying to do with them. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, re- there's really not much to talk about in the Titans. It's Derrick Henry is the guy, nothing else. I mean, Robert Woods had a pretty good week a couple weeks ago. It's the, hey, maybe this guy's flex start while Burks is out. No, 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 not really. So it's really just you're starting Derrick Henry, and you're not happy about having to start anything else over there. Yeah, you start Derrick Henry and you pray for Titans wins. Right. Jonathan Taylor, just 10 carries in his return game. I'm sure trailing didn't help that, but it's not like they were getting beaten down in this game. So it's really a disappointing level of usage. They did at least throw in the ball a good bit. And speaking of throwing the ball a good bit, Paris Campbell, team yeah. high 12 targets, his second straight game of 11 plus targets. And last week, it was kind of a product of the Colts throwing more than 50 times. This time they had passing volume up again but his share was larger beat michael Pittman in targets this week paris campbell seeing 23 percent target share over the past two games so that puts him in play for a week eight meeting with washington yeah no paris campbell 21 targets over the last two weeks and the high th- throwing volume you know matt ryan hasn't looked good like he's he threw some really bad picks yes yesterday but they're, th- they're throwing a lot you know it's it's hard it hurts uh Pittman and pierce 
with Campbell being as good as he is, I mean, with the high volume, there is enough for them, maybe two of them to get off. I think Pittman got off this week and, and, and Campbell, but uh, I wouldn't be too worried though, either. Cause Campbell is eventually going to get hurt. <laughs> he just, he just always, he always does. So, but while he, while he's healthy, you know, flex start, because he, he does, he does, he does look good and they're, and they're using him in the right parts of the field. Uh, as far as JT's concerned, he was, you know, kind of nowhere to be found on the, the stat sheet. He didn't really look his explosive self. Like he was kind of quick early on, but then he didn't have that explosion to kind of get into that second level. They were also easing him back obviously too, which is, you know, why he only got those 10 carries. So um, you're obviously starting JT and, um, and it might just take him a couple weeks to get rolling here off the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see how that progresses. Anything else from that game? That's it. Um, commanders 23 Packers, 21, the latest installment of the Packers just aren't that good. Taylor Heineke was fine. 201 yards, two touchdowns passing Taylor, Terry McLaurin for the first time this year, matched Curtis Samuel for the team target lead, eight targets. Both guys caught five balls. McLaurin had 73 yards and a touchdown from 37 yards out. That's the kind of thing we've been waiting to see from Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Yeah. And Heineke can do that for these, like Heineke's a gunslinger. Like he thinks he's he thinks he's good. He thinks he can make all these throws, which is great for fantasy. Like you don't want a quarterback holding on to the ball. Like you don't want a Justin Fields for your receivers where he's holding on to the ball. He won't throw it unless they're wide open. Heineke will sling it. He's going to throw a couple picks, you know, which will give the other team the lead. And then he can try to come back. That's perfect. That's what we want for fantasy. So it's good for the players around him. Uh, it's good to see Terry McCorn kind of get off. He was playing with a little swag yesterday. Uh, feel, you can tell he was kind of feeling himself, but uh but yeah, that's that's good to see him get going. Mm-hmm. Jahan Dotson probably back next week. Seemed like he was getting close to being ready to play this week. So we'll see how that factors into the whole target pie. They are at Indy next week. So Indy's kind of a matchup now where you don't really alter anything up or down um, from what you expect from your offense. So it's certainly not, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm excited about Terry McLaurin going forward, but it was a positive game. We'll see what can happen. He was a buy in our buy sell hold report last week. So you know, clearly we liked the upside potential for him going forward, but really the low price that you were probably able to get him at elsewhere on this Washington offense, Brian Robinson got 20 carries in this game, but only averaged 3.7 per carry. And that's against a soft green Bay run defense. So I think this is kind of what we should expect from Brian Robinson going forward is leading the backfield, not totally dominating it. Cause we did still get 10 Antonio Gibson carries in this one and not being super efficient on what he does get. Yeah, at least at least Gibson got some kind of high high value touch. He scored on a great reception in the back of the end zone, you know, in in traffic because he's Antonio Gibson and he's the best, probably the best offensive player on on the team. You could argue Terry McLaurin, but Gibson's just so versatile. He's just so good. It's just they don't like him. They would rather give the ball to a plotting running back, Brian Robinson, who actually did see uh, two two targets also, or maybe even had two two catches. So I mean, that's that's bad news for. JD McKissick, who I think also only saw two two targets. So um, when you're when you're the pass catching back in a three down committee, and Brian Robinson is getting as many uh, catches or targets as you are, uh, you're almost droppable at that point. Now we never drop we're running backs ever <laughs> under any circumstance because look at Chuba Hubbard. But um, but yeah, it's it's just that was bad news for for, for JD McKissick. And again, this offense is really offense by by committee. Like you said, Terry McLaurin popped off because we had um, Dotson that was out. You know, whenever there's somebody missing, the rest of the guys can kind of do their thing. But they're just the receiver by committee. They're they're running back by committee. You know, so they're they're tight end by by committee because they don't have any. So yeah, it's just it's just tough when everyone's healthy. 
yeah, not an offense you're going to for ceiling, but plenty of usable parts here. Um, I do think Gibson probably looks good because he's in the role where he belongs. He was kind of a mediocre performer as a lead back, but 10 carries for 59 yards here, three catches for 18 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown from nine yards out was a nine yard catch in the end zone, as opposed to a catch and run into the end zone, which we're more used to seeing with running backs. It was a, a, a nice, you know, wide receiver style catch. So um, well, yeah, we'll see where things go from here going forward. But like I said, usable pieces more than ceiling. On the other side, AJ Dillon, a week after rebounding in his role, um, disappeared from this game. Less than half of Aaron Jones's playing time against Washington. Neither of these guys could run for anything. And Aaron Jones is Green Bay's best wideout. I also want to say something else really quick about Gibson. They threw him a fade route out of the backfield too. Heineke was getting rushed and he had to kind of rush the throw, but that just kind of goes to show you they really do uh, want to get him involved in the passing game. And again, if we can just get rid of McKissick and give him all the McKissick routes, like Gibson would still be great and he'd be fine. But but like you said, with three backs there, it's 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 tough. But I hate uh, I hate fade routes. I don't think they should. <laughs> I think they should rarely get thrown to anybody. And I think when they do, they should only get thrown to guys as tall or taller than Plexico Burris. Yeah, so it was kind of more of a wheel route that turned into a fade because of the way that yeah. the throw was. But no, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, over the yeah the <laughs> the Packers are in big trouble. I mean, Aaron Jones is really the only startable fantasy player on this, this offense. It just looks out of sorts. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers says it's it's out of sorts. Um, so. Start him. AJ Dillon's been a massive bust. I mean, there's been, he needs, you know, people were hoping at least AJ Dillon would be Tony Pollard uh, with, with all the running backs healthy, but he's not, he's not even that. And so that's just probably because he's not even as good as, as Tony Pollard is. But yeah, this offense is a problem. You're only starting Aaron Jones, who was, who was great, looks explosive still. Um, and they are 10 and a half point underdogs in Buffalo next week. First time Rodgers has been a double digit underdog ever. So, uh, give me the bills on that. Give me the, give me the bills on that for sure. Um, and, uh, so yeah, but look for Aaron Jones to get more work in the, in the passing game than next week. I think I'll hurry up and bet the bills before that line gets to 14. <laughs> I, I mean, it's honestly, that's probably going to be the worst team. They will, it'll be close between green Bay and Pittsburgh, but Aaron Rodgers, his presence is the only reason that nobody wants to just admit these Packers are not very good. Oh, they they absolutely stay. they're the same team they were the last three years, but without Devontae Adams, it's literally it's now not that that's nothing, but it's like you lose your best receiver and look 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 what it looks like. It's terrible. I wonder if we could retroactively give last year's MVP award to Devontae Adams. Yeah, that, that, I think that's great. Kind of like uh, they should have given the MVP award to Peyton Manning the year he didn't play, and they went zero and sixteen. <laughs> MVP award should have gone to Peyton. <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones in this one, by the way, 28.6% target share, 39.1% share of receptions, 27.3% of the Packers passing yards, both touchdowns. So Aaron Jones is somebody you feel great about going forward. Somebody that I've seen involved in some trades going for like recently. So if you're doing something like you have Austin Eckler and you need help at wide receiver and somebody else is offering you Aaron Jones plus a, a guy with wide receiver one upside or maybe already even performing in that level. Like that's the kind of trade that I would be plenty willing to do giving Austin yeah. Eckler to get that Aaron Jones and wide receiver package. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to trade any of the running backs. It's just part of me thinks like, man, I don't want to trade any of these good running backs because there aren't many left. They're dropping like flies. There are a lot out there. And the part of me is like, well, if I can get two or three pieces for one, and if, because if that one piece goes down, I'm screwed. But if I get two or three pieces, 
you know, I, one of those pieces goes down. Oh, I still got the other, the other two. So yeah, it's interesting. It depends on what, on what you can get for him, but I certainly wouldn't be, wouldn't be selling low on, on Jones. Uh, but I don't know if I'd be, if I'd be buying high on him either. So, uh, but we'll see kind of, kind of moving forward here. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get good value going after Aaron Jones on the trade market. So it's a, it's a very specific niche, but Aaron yeah. Jones is somebody who's, who should be getting plenty of touches going forward. Basically the, the offense needs him to Aaron Rodgers just 194 passing yards in this one against a weak pass defense. That was also down starting corner, uh, William Jackson, the wide receiver is not great. They've got injuries. It's also on Rodgers, though. I saw him getting highlighted on video, missing downfield opportunities. Had a had an open Sammy Watkins for a deep ball at one point in this game. Opted for the short route. So clearly, the pressure is also getting to him. And I don't mean pressure of the situation. I mean literal pass rushing pressure. So it's on everybody here. It's keeping Aaron Rodgers from being a an exciting fantasy option, keeping him from delivering much upside. And it's getting worse because Alan Lazard hurt a shoulder in this game. So we don't know about him going forward. Yeah, it's the, the passing game's a mess. Robert Tunyon, three catches on four targets. His route rate was at 71%. So that's that's right about where we're hoping that it's going to be. He was below that for most of the season before last week. So the targets, the catches are down from that big number we saw in week six. But we'll take him if he stays in that 70 to 75% route range. Yeah, exactly. We mentioned him last last week and you know, kind of back down to earth as in, in the amount of targets. But, you know, he... Um, I think he's still viable there. They, you know, and and uh, Rogers might even lean on him more with, with with Lazard being hurt. We'll see. It's just I, I don't want to start any of these guys, but again, tight ends. Once you get past tight end like nine or ten, it's like just throw a dart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Jets Broncos. The Jets won this one 16 to nine, but come away losers because we probably lost Brees Hall for the season to an ACL tear. That makes Michael Carter the new lead back. Didn't run for much yesterday, but he's going to be in for lots of work just because the Jets want to lean on their backfield. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they make a significant addition to the running back room, though. It could be a perfect spot for James Robinson, as we talked about, if he is on the market. Yeah, there's a lot of like those type of running backs, James Robinson, that would that would be okay here. Um, I'd like to see it because, you know, I'm not – this fantasy season has been so difficult, and then – all my best teams had Brees Hall. And it's just like, oh my God, like now, now what do we do? <laughs> so I would have a little bit of my, my Michael Carter, but I mean, Michael Carter's an RB two without, without Brees Hall there. Cause he's, he, he's got, he's kind of like Eckler light. Like, well, not many people are lighter than Austin Eckler, but <laughs> he's, he's like that small little jitterbug that, that can catch, that can run, uh, that can kind of do it all. He was an RB two there last year before, uh, before he got hurt and, and all that. So I think, you're definitely starting Michael Carter going forward. They sh- it, the Jets think that they're good, so and they're winning games and stuff. So they should try to go pick up another, another running back, and hopefully they, they do. And hopefully it's a guy that's on my fantasy bench that, that can become a starter. <laughs> yeah, Sony Michelle. Uh, that's right. Game still nothing. Michael Carter's 45 receiving yards on two catches in this game nearly doubled his nearest teammate. Like it was, I think next was Garrett Wilson at 24 yards. Just an ugly passing situation obviously this wasn't a great matchup for the passing the broncos are good on defense are especially good in the secondary so you know we could um excuse that but still no reason to expect it to get better going forward on the denver side brett rippon 4.9 yards per pass attempt so things did not get better just by russell wilson leaving the field we did get a nice game for jerry judy though and we did get greg dulcich taking over the tight end situation completely yeah and at least you know at least Rippon was dropping back and, and 
assertive with where he wanted to go with the ball, whether it was a good throw, a bad throw, whatever. At least he looked like, okay, I know what this play design is, is for. I know where I want to th- throw the ball. Uh, Russell Wilson just would drop back, put his head down and scream. It just was hideous. So um, Brett Whippen, and maybe I'm partial because he got the ball. Did my guy, Jerry Judy, 11, 11 targets. He got him on deep ones, short, whatever. Judy was great. Uh, Judy also wasn't getting sauce sauce Gardner treatment that I was, that I was, I was concerned about. Um, so listen, sauce Gardner is elite at holding receivers downfield. <laughs> Every time I turn in a Jets game, it's sauce Gardner killing some receiver 40 yards down, downfield. Like what, what are we doing here? Uh, Hey sauce, keep doing it. If, if the refs aren't going to throw the flag. So, um, but, but anyways, yeah, the, Bron- the Broncos offense is in big, big trouble. Um, no matter who is at, is at a quarterback. So, um, but it's, so it's nice to see whenever you can get a startable week out of guys like Judy and Sutton. Um, I mean, 11 targets, nine targets, fine. Dulcich, nine targets, fine. You know, you can, you can live with that. The backfield is another, is another story. Yeah. Yeah. And to that backfield, they lost Mike Boone, at least to an ankle injury Uh, in this game that left Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray splitting things. Gordon got more touches. Latavius Murray got the touchdown. I think this would be a perfect spot for Cam Akers. He's got one year left on his contract beyond this. So Cam Akers, probably an upgrade on these two guys at this point, there's at least more upside to him because he is younger than both Gordon and Latavius Murray. And then the one more year on his contract could offer an insurance policy for Javante Williams return from his ACL tear next season. So if I had to pick a team for Cam Akers to go to right now, it would be Denver. And maybe the only reason for them to not be interested would be if they're already giving up on this season. Yeah. And listen, you could send him him to the Jets too. You know, that'll work. I mean, None of these backs are even startable at this point if they're all three are, are, are active. I mean, Boone, Boone got hurt, but you know, if, if you have all three running backs active here, they haven't shown the want to really ride one, even when they had Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon running, they didn't want to ride one. So it's a tough backfield. I wouldn't even, I'm not probably starting one uh, unless I absolutely ha- have to. I don't really care who, who's there unless they make some big splash for, for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. We'll watch and see if they make a move. They probably should. Raiders 38, Texans 20. It wasn't quite that lopsided. It really got out of hand in the fourth quarter. It was a fairly close game until midway through the fourth quarter. But for fantasy purposes, Josh Jacobs is a monster. Three straight games with 20-plus carries and 140-plus rushing yards. And Adam, to me, the lesson here is not so much we all should have been respecting Josh Jacobs more the, the takeaway here that's actually going to help going forward is more about reading draft value and available opportunity, because that was never the, 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 the case for Josh Jacobs in August was never, no, you guys wait and see Josh Jacobs is an animal and he's finally going to break loose. It was no Zamir white is not better than Josh Jacobs. No, Amir Abdullah is not commanding targets. So <laughs> if, Josh Jacobs just leads this backfield in work, then he could really have quite the opportunity ahead of him. And he's been decent so far. So let's go ahead and take him in round eight. Well, after people have started drafting, you know, part-time running backs, and then we'll see what happens. And this is, you know, nobody, the the biggest Josh Jacobs fan, Josh Jacobs wouldn't have been like, this is what's going to happen. But, you know, it's just a reminder of like awesome things can happen, not just like, okay things. Yeah. And, and I think he's been more than okay. Than so far in his, in his career, I mean, 
he, he was banged up. He was playing for John Gruden, like who hasn't been a good coach since 2001. Like, so, and here he comes out again here, 5.7 yard yards of carry 22, uh, 20 catches on 22 targets. Like he's super efficient. He's really good all around running back. And so, uh, yeah, exactly. In, a, in, a, in an offense that can be good with all the weapons that, that they have. So, uh, yeah, good good for Josh Jacobs. He's the RB4 so far on the fantasy season. And, uh, yeah, if you drafted him with a zero RB build, you are loving life for right now. If you see people in draft time writing stories for themselves uh, <laughs> that just don't seem to make sense to you for other players and it's creating value opportunity, even for a guy that you're not excited about, go ahead and take that value opportunity and then see what happens. That's the lesson with this Josh Jacobs season. Elsewhere on the Raiders offense, the passing game predictably quiet here. I mean, the game did end up being lopsided. They had no Darren Waller going in, though. Hunter Renfro and Mac Hollins were both questionable heading into the game. So not shocking that they didn't throw the ball a whole lot, that they did not put up big numbers. Um, I don't have any takeaways from this passing game. Like Devontae Adams did fine. Derek Carr did fine. They're going to need to throw more in other games going forward. Yeah, Renfro was only out there for 72% of the routes because Mac Hollins has just been good. He's just, he's out there in two two receiver sets, Mac Hollins is. So um, I mean he only saw don't go, you know, running out to go crazy over Mac Hollins. I mean, he only saw th- three targets, but he scored, you know, jumped over two guys. He's been great when given the opportunity this year. So, you know, I was hoping Renfro was going to be in kind of a smash spot without, without Darren Waller there, but he's just not out there enough to really to really crush. So uh, yeah, nothing, not much else to really take away from that, from the Raiders here. Confirmed ACL tear, by the way, that's yeah. getting reported right now. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. <laughs> uh, on to the Houston running backs in this one. Houston leaned heavily on its backfield for this game. Of course, we got Damian Pierce reaching 20 carries for the third time in four games, 90 plus rushing yards for the third straight game from him. So you're obviously starting him comfortably. The thing, if you look at the the box score, the thing that jumps out is Dare Ogunbowale leading the team with seven targets. All seven of those came on the team's final yes. possession of the game. Yeah. It's a possession that started with three and a half minutes left. Uh, they were down by 18. So there is absolutely nothing to take away from Dare Ogunbowale's usage in this game. Except my God, if Pierce could have got those seven targets, woo, what a day. No, I completely agree. I was, I was going to mention that. It was on the last drive of the game. Pierce is getting a little bit of, you know, for, for four, if you're getting 20, carries and you're getting four targets i mean we'll take it again i'd prefer 15 carries like eight targets i want especially the way pierce runs smashing himself into anything that moves uh but no pierce has looked great they they don't do anything well in houston except for turn around and hand the ball off to pierce so we'll take that of course brandon cooks five targets third third on the team dropped a third down pass he is having a forgettable season Yes, completely. Rex Burkhead, by the way, also factored in the passing game. He and Pierce combined for 10 targets, nine catches. So not quite a usable level, but I don't know. We'll see if his usage stays up going forward. Not quite to the Dario Gumbwale level of uh, mattering. Davis Mills, 302 yards, two touchdowns, interception. This one um, spread the targets around. Like you mentioned, quiet day for Brandon Cooks. We also had a Nico Collins injury in this one. So it's really Damian Pierce. You know, you kind of have to use Brandon Cooks at some level. Um, but he's even coming in under what we were hoping from his ADP. And then there's not really a whole lot else to do with these Texans. Yep. Seahawks 37 chargers, 23, some positive news on the injury front. We did have DK Metcalf leave this one with a knee injury. Pete Carroll says the testing came back positive, not positive as in 
the injury that they were looking for, but positive news in that it, he got some patellar damage, not stuff that needs repairing. Metcalf apparently says that he hopes to practice this Wednesday. Pete Carroll says not so sure, but he's <laughs> on board with that. But that they're even discussing that possibility is obviously great news after Metcalf left that game, uh, left it on a cart, and was quickly ruled out for the rest of the game. Yeah, I thought he just had to go to the bathroom again. I thought he was taking another potty break. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of those situations like he wants to pr- just – Sit him out a week, Pete. Like, just let him let him get healed up. Let him come back a hundred percent or closer to it, because this has this has re-injury written all over it. If they're gonna let him go out there and play again, but uh, yeah, it's good news that he's that he's not done. Uh, Lockett hit seven for forty-five when Metcalf uh, total for the game, um, and uh, so yeah, I mean the passing. Geno looked in complete command of the offense again, which is great to see. Running the ball, throwing the ball, so good to see there. Um, out, out of the passing game. Yeah, 20-27, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, a quiet day. And Marquise Goodwin scored two of the most annoying touchdowns in all of fantasy by not allowing Tyler Lockett to either to have either of those. But, I mean, what are you going to do? We'll get to some more annoying touchdowns with the next game. So let's switch from annoyance to Kenneth Walker, who oh. at least is our new rookie running back Jesus now that Brees Hall has been taken away from us. Uh, I have a main event, a, a zero RB main event with Josh Jacobs and Kenneth Walker on it. And I, that's oh, all, baby. it's all I look at. It's all I look at. I just stare at it because there's nothing else. There's, I You're just, wearing that around my neck. Right I now. stare at it and drool because I'm like, there's nothing else going for me in fantasy this year except for these two. So uh, you, should yeah. have that, you should have that frozen on like a tablet on a necklace. <laughs> style. That's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, Kenneth Walker, we said it when Penny got hurt two weeks ago, league winner, he looks like a franchise, but he just looks so good. He had a, uh, his touchdown run in the first quarter. He was like patient, and then he shot through the hole for like a 15-yard touchdown. And then late in the game, takes one 75 yards on a toss. Um, he's He didn't have any – I don't think he had any catches, but he did work 100% of the two-minute offense. So they trust him out there. It just, it just didn't happen. But it, So it's good to see that they they trust him in the pass-down game. Um, he's obviously a stud running back. The offense is looking good. So, um, yeah, go go – Go, go, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, and his long touchdown was one of those where he just like beat everybody around the edge and then yes. ran away from everybody. It's one of those runs, like, you know, it's not the most difficult run, but one of those runs that just shows you that he's better than the other people around him. That's so, right. That's certainly right. like that. Home date with the Giants coming up next. That's a positive for any of these Seattle offensive pieces. We'll talk more about them on the Thursday preview podcast. For now, let's move on to the annoying touchdowns in the Chiefs 49ers game. Oof. It was Nicole Hardman in this one. Three touchdowns on six touches. He had four targets, including a pop pass for an eight-yard touchdown, had runs to the end zone from 25 and three yards out. So that left nothing for Isaiah Pacheco, who did lead the backfield in carries, but that was only eight rushes. Looks like the Chiefs you know, made this a game plan because they did not run the ball a whole lot despite dominating this game, winning it by three touchdowns, but they were leaning past. They played more Nicole Hardman in this game than they usually have been. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what people are more annoyed with the Nicole Hardman touchdowns or more annoyed with the CEH <laughs> touchdown because both of them are, 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 are tilting for, for, for different people. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a combo. I mean, that that's the thing is if you I touted know. or if you used, Isaiah Pacheco coming into this game, you're like, oh, his team scored 44 points. They scored six touchdowns. They had three touchdowns on the ground, and they were all scored by other little dudes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But listen, Patrick Mahomes warned us 
the day before the season started that they were going to spread the ball. Re- really, Pat? You couldn't say that in like in like June that they were going to spread the ball around. But uh, but yeah, no, that's 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 annoying. Nico three touchdowns, two rushing scores, good for probably a lot of people's best ball teams because he was drafted out there. But Juju wide receiver four on the week, seven for one twenty four and a touchdown. Quietly wide receiver twenty on the year after a slow start, ascending. Love to see it. Uh, Mahomes was Mahomes. Kelsey was Kelsey. He had a touchdown call, called back, but other than that, he had a. He had a he had a great game. I'm not looking to go start meet me Cole Hardman uh, if I have to in an emergency fine because this is what you can get out of uh, any of these guys. M- MVS Hardman, like you get, uh, you need an emergency starter. Just go grab one of the Chiefs guys. Yeah, yeah. Juju over 100 yards and a touchdown for the second straight game. Even MVS topped 100 yards on just three catches yesterday. The secret, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, Adam. The secret was these guys playing Call of Duty together on Friday night. Oh, listen, Monday nights are my Call of Duty nights. I can't, I can't wait. Hey, AK Slickster, look, look me up, Chiefs guys. AK you Slickster. You know what? I guess that we need to get Isaiah Pacheco playing with them next Friday. <laughs> That's you what it is. You just said it was him. It was MVS. It was Travis Kelsey. It was Patrick Mahomes. It was not Nicole Hardman. So, oh. you know, I don't know if that's the key or not. We'll have to watch this situation going forward. This is going to be the new breakfast with Matthew Stafford. We got to see who was playing call of duty together on Friday nights among chiefs. And those would be the guys that we bet as the touchdown scorers video game narrative. That's what it is. <laughs> um, backfield. I'm going to be curious to see what we hear. They have a week eight by now. So I, I want to see what we hear for Pacheco's role for the roles of the other guys coming out of that by it's hope that we hear something heading into that game. Um, you know, you're disappointed if you use Pacheco, but he did what they said he was going to do. They said he was going to start. They said that CEH would still be significantly involved. So nothing shocking, just some bad touchdown luck here. Sky Moore, I'll also be curious to see if he gets any bigger role coming out of the bye. It has not really grown so far. There were a couple little inklings in recent weeks that maybe we he would start building, but he's still way behind the top three, which included McCall Hardman in this game. Yeah, we'll see coming out of the bye week. They have, they have a bye they have this upcoming week, right? Yep. Yeah, we'll see. A lot of times rookies coming out of the bye, but just with nobody being hurt on there, everyone's healthy. Like Mahomes is wants the guys. Quarterbacks want guys that they, that they can trust, and he trusts the guys that he has out there now. They just scored like every drive of the game almost. So I don't see Sky Moore being startable unless there's an injury or something to player to players around him. So, um, which is too bad because I, I had a lot of Sky Moore in Dynasty this year. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. on the 49ers side. They stuck to the plan for Christian McCaffrey. They said 20 snaps coming in. He played 22 snaps, eight carries, 38 yards, two catches for 24 on two targets. I would expect a lot more of McCaffrey starting in week eight. Who do they have in this one? They're at the Rams in this game. So it's even a game that will, um, support throwing him the ball as opposed to having him run it more. So I would expect a lot more McCaffrey in week eight, a lot less Jeff Wilson, Jr. Yeah, yeah, and, and he even out touched and out targeted them this week. Uh, you know, so uh, on two days' notice. So yeah, he's gonna get a f- the week, and he's gonna they're they're gonna get him integrated, and he's gonna be fine. He's, you know, I'm not dropping Elijah Mitchell. I'm not dropping J- J- Jeff Wilson. Again, you you're holding running backs whenever you can if you've got the ability to 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 do that because we're an, you're an injury away from being the starting running back. So, um, so yeah, that's that's I think how their other running game is gonna is gonna pan out. I would be fine with dropping either Mitchell, assuming you don't have an IR slot or Wilson. If the Panthers running backs are out there right now, though. 
Sure. Yeah. If yeah, dropping a running back for another, then another running back. Fine. That's it. That's in a better situation. Totally. T- t- totally get it. Mm. Uh, Jimmy G 303 yards passing in this game, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle were the leaders there. And then Ray Ray McLeod, um, committed the crime of stealing 65 <laughs> yards and a touchdown from Debo Samuel, who had just five catches for 42 on his seven targets. You know, Jimmy G is so spoiled. He sucks so bad and he has all these weapons around him. And then he throws a touchdown to Mayor McLeod just to piss us all off even more. And then he throws an unthinkable interception. Like they're in the game towards the end. Back foot, lobs it up to double coverage, intercepted. It's like, oh my gosh. Just, how does this guy get spoiled? Maybe all- unthinkable. Unthinkable right. for most quarterbacks. But yeah, he's- yeah, that's right. I mean, he's so sp- he's got the looks. He's got the players around him. And he just isn't capitalizing, at least on the football field. What a golden life. Debo, <laughs> if you're disappointed in the way he performed this past week, then you should at least be heartened by the matchup with the Rams because he has eaten up the Rams in five straight meetings over the past three years. So it should be a good matchup for him in week eight. Yeah, especially if they throw for 43 times. Like they got, they need to throw over 40, 40, 50 times. Not over 50, but between 40 and 50 times <laughs> to keep everybody happy. Yeah, we don't want Jimmy G throwing 50 times, but there were 43 targets to go around yesterday. That's what you need to be able to feed all of these guys. So Debo, he only had six targets, but I think he's going to end up, end up getting his. Dolphins 16, Steelers 10, a boring Sunday night game. Tua Tonga-Vailoda made it through healthy. He did say heading in that he was going to alter his play after this concussion issues. And then he dove head first at the end of a run, just asking the defense to knock him back out. So, I mean, we'll see if he actually changes anything, but positive to see him make it through this game healthy. Yeah, yeah. I had a, the longest day yesterday with the plumbing and a bunch of stuff going on. So I went to bed at halftime in this game, woke up, Saw that Jalen Waddle only had five. I'm like, did this thing reset? Like, I thought Jalen Waddle had five targets on the first drive. Whoa, 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 what happened? But, but Tua, yeah, Tua's trying to run people over. Listen, I've bashed on Tua. He's not a very good quarterback, but for fantasy, he he knows throw the ball to Hill, throw the ball to Waddle, get the ball to Moster, even get secular, like get to the ball to the guys in the right spots and the right places, and he's good enough to do to do that. So fine. Uh, Hill got his like a 13 targets. He had a floor game, which is like, you know, 15 points or whatever he had. So fine. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, they just, they just didn't get the ball uh, going in the, in, the, in the second half here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Gusecki, as you mentioned, second straight game with seven targets, only three catches for 27 yards, but he was just behind Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle and routes. So if he stays around that level, he's going to be usable going forward. We'll have to see. It's still a little bit early to say that that's what he is, but you know, with how tough tight end has been this year, I, th- I certainly think that there are plenty of teams that will be able to use him this week, especially against Detroit. Like if there's ever a week where you're like, I'm not sure if I can bet on him yet. Then you look at the opponents, Detroit, you say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make that bet this week. And then we'll recalibrate after that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Steelers on the other side of this one, nothing different from this one. We can still expect the top three receivers to be okay. Cause we're going to get plenty of passing volume from this team. Cause they're not very good overall. And they're going to be trailing a lot of opponents, but we're not having any kind of pecking order emerge. The targets are going to be spread among these guys. Whoever performs best in fantasy is going to depend on who gets lucky with touchdowns because Pittsburgh's not really taking that many shots downfield to the point where Chase Claypool came out of this game and was like, we got to get more go balls. Come on. Look at the, how much talent we have at receivers. Stop throwing these little dinky shorts thing, short things. Yeah. It's the same every week. It's DJ Claypool Pickens. 
it's 10, 8, 6 targets yesterday. Week before that, it's 12, 10, 8, or it's, you know, it's somewhere around there. No one can get going unless it's, unless they get, they're the guy that gets the random t- touchdown. So that's all there is to it. They're going to need an injury to one of the three for the other two to get going. Pick and score the touchdown this week. Looked great. Fade out awesome the end. Catch. Yeah, awesome catch. He's just so good. He's just, people aren't going to care. I mean, people care, but they're not going to really know, no, until they get a new quarterback there. Um, you know, man, he could have been on so many, so much better teams uh, this season uh, that passed him in, in, in the draft, but that, that stinks. But yeah, I mean, Pickett, he, Pickett, Pickett stinks. Pickett stinks, but he'll throw it a little bit then downfield. I mean, we'll see. I think this is just where we're stuck. 10, 8, 6 targets, whatever, 12, 10, 8, the rest of the season, unless somebody gets hurt. Imagine you just re-signed Aaron Rodgers again. You traded away Devontae Adams, and then instead of taking George Pickens, you take an off-ball linebacker to stand next <laughs> to this very expensive linebacker that you already have at that position. That's the Packers. Oh, I mean, this you could just the list goes on and on. I mean, the, the Bills took a defensive back. They they can line up anybody they want in the defensive secondary, and they shut everyone down. They could have, you know, could have Kenneth Walker in the second round. They took James Cook. Could have George Pickens. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to knock the Bills. It's, uh, it's right, knock the I'll figure it right away. Raheem Mostert dominated backfield work in this game against Pittsburgh. I to go back to the Dolphins because I yep. skipped over him at first. Seventy percent of RB carries in this game for the Dolphins, more than double of Chase Edmonds's routes, a touchdown among his four catches, and as I mentioned for the tight ends, they got the Lions next. So Raheem Mostert yes. has high upside for Week Eight. You would like to say, hey, we saw both Cowboys running backs score against Detroit last week. Score in terms of fantasy points. Don't say that. So. Can we use Chase Edmonds? No, he's no. just not getting the ball <laughs> at a level where you can. He's just not good either. He dropped a wide open pass later on in the game. And they've got, you, you've seen now we're six, seven weeks into this thing. McDaniels has got, he's cooking where he, he's got his Mostert, his Kaseki, and his, he's got his guys in the right spots. They're, 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 they're moving. The second half, they slowed down. But the first half, they were, they were up and down, down the field. No, we're still, we're right. Mostert's RB 25 on the year. He's a high end RB two while, while he's healthy. So um, keep riding him, especially next week against the Lions, which means he'll get injured on the third play of the game. Yeah, of course. Raheem Mostert, concussion, out for the game. <laughs> At Friermuth is a weekly fantasy starter going forward. Nine targets, eight catches, 75 yards in this positive matchup with Miami. He's got Philly this coming week. Matchup's not great for anybody, Pittsburgh, but probably worse for the Pittsburgh wide receivers than it is for Friermuth. So if I have him, I'm feeling pretty good about my tight end situation. And then finally, I haven't said a whole lot of nice things about Najee Harris this year. So I'm going to go ahead and point out that he reclaimed his backfield lead last night against Miami 61% route rate in particular was his highest of the season. So we had the Jalen Warren creep going on. Najee Harris took it back last night in terms of how much he was on the field. Yeah. But you know, this is, this is a positive matchup against, against Miami and he got, he got the workload. He got 17 carries and four, four, four targets and still is RB 24 on the one on the week. He's not going to, and he'll finish outside because one of these running backs tonight will end up get score more than 11 for fantasy points. So like this was a week you were looking forward, like man, they can you know maybe they can compete, they can stay in the game with Miami. Their run defense isn't very good. It just it just isn't working. You know he's not uh, he's they're not he's not getting the ball down by the goal line. They're not getting down to the goal line, and so but he and he looked good. He made a couple guys missing the open field. At least he was more involved in the passing game. At least he's getting that volume where you can you can start him, I guess. But 
I mean, listen, if you took him in the, at the first or second round, it's he's all, he's like the DJ Moore of, 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 uh, of kind of high end running backs there. Yeah. Solid to good player, bad offensive line, bad offense. It just doesn't work out a lot of the times for running backs. You have to be an elite running back for that to work out like Saquon Barkley with the giants this season. Exactly. That's going to do it for this week seven recap edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com. Now you can read more about what happened in week seven in the free shark bites section. If you're a DS insider, you probably already saw the email that Jared sends out every Sunday night, highlighting the most important injury news from the week, as well as some early waiver recommendations for the coming week. We will of course have our weekly free agent focus articles serving leagues of all sizes. They'll be up on the site by midday Tuesday for DS insiders. Um, and then it's on to week eight. Adam, you got any preview of what we should expect on Wednesday night's deep end show? Yeah, we'll just talk about more of the more of the kind of the headlines from the from this week. We'll have a we'll have a draft sharks invitational leaderboard to show everybody. We'll see how the draft sharks guys are doing. I know I'm not doing great, but I know Mike Shope was in first. Uh, so that was that was nice to see. We'll see if he can uh, kind of hang out up there and and we'll go over uh, some waiver wire ads. I'm sure there's gonna be plenty to talk about with all the major injuries we had this week. Spoiler alert, I'm not winning it either right now. <laughs> it's too four, out of, four out of Krautwurst and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew. I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.